don't know the word Scott? Welcome to America, friend. Learn music. Welcome to another episode of the Rudy Librarian Podcast. I am your host, the Rudy Librarian himself, Brian. Yay! Okay, once again, the blessings overflow. I'm looking forward to a, a chat here with Cody Okonski from Millington. Uh, Millington being, uh, again, one of the earlier bands that I sort of found as I came back into Sky. I just sort of uh, was flipping through YouTube and, and, and found a, a Millington music video after watching some you know other music videos and we'll get into that later but uh man welcome i'm so glad to get a chance to talk to you i am so glad to be here thank you for having me absolutely so i always i always start with the same question and i think it's a pretty like it's kind of like the most asked question probably in uh ska podcasts <laughs> because um well for one because i stole it from another ska podcast but <laughs> <laughs> but uh i always i feel like if you're not in ska ska's pretty niche so like how did you come to connect with ska so um when it came when it comes to ska um it all kind my story starts back in high school i think maybe many other people's ska story starts in high school but uh mine started in high school i was um you know i was always in bands i was always in bands from like you know even from like the end of elementary school to like you know, early high school, you know, I was always in my own band. I was doing my own thing. And it was always like a Green Day knockoff or like a Blink-182 knockoff. And, um, you know, one day all of my closest friends kind of started this ska band without me. Like they, you know, I had my own band and they kind of like got together and started their own band. And that was called Uncle Joel's Comb, uh, which, you know, if that's not nice. a name of a ska band, you know, like that's, <laughs> but, um, you know, and over time kind of my little you know, cover bands and whatever fizzled out. And I was like, hey, like, if you'll have me, like, I'd love to make music with you guys. Cause I just, I love those guys. You know, those, those are my closest friends from high school. You know, like even before we were even doing music, like there was, a, those were the guys that I was having like the late night sleepovers with and like talking about girls and blah, blah, blah. But, um, you know, that kind of, you know, they, so the lead singer, uh, Alex Costa, you know, he was getting really into ska music and he had started the band cause he wanted to like kind of emulate Real Big Fish and Mustard Plug. And I kind of jumped on with what I knew of like, just, you know, I, that's when I started learning how to do upstrokes and like, you know, getting like the hang of it. And that's really how it started. And that band kind of lasted from uh, high school to till the, you know, the middle of my college era. So Uncle Joel's Comb. Now, is there is there is there evidence of this band out there? Yeah, yeah. Um, it's actually on Spotify still, I believe. And we had a MySpace and that, I mean, that was just goes to show that that was like the era, you know, that we were really like promoting our MySpace, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah, no, definitely check it out. It's on Spotify. Um, there, there's two EPs, actually there's a record and an EP. There's that creepy uncle, which is pretty rudimentary sounding. I mean, it definitely sounds like a bunch of high schoolers, uh, on a recording. And then the other one was tubular, which was kind of like, you know, we thought it was like this really, really polished album at the time. And I was like, I don't know how we're ever going to beat this. But, you know, I, you know you'll listen to it. And it, it sounds pretty good, but it, it, it's, it's beatable uh, in some ways. So, <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I'm looking forward to checking it out. You know, the funny thing is, like, I've got, you know, as I've kind of gotten back into Scott, you may have heard me talk about this or whatever. Um, but I, I really, my experience with Scott was primarily the Christian Scott bands, which was just Five Iron Frenzy, the Supertones and the Insiders. 
and you know maybe some Denji's and some Squad Five O. But the uh, yeah, I've I've become friends with people that have this expansive knowledge of ska as I've gotten into it, and so I'm constantly learning about uh, you know just there. People say that ska was like a, a small thing and then it kind of went away, but like there's so much good ska out there. So I love finding new bands, even the bands that, you know, our current bands grew out of or whatever. It's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if <laughs> I was going to say, uh, I'm not one of those people that knows, like, I don't have like an encyclopedic knowledge of the ska bands. You know, I, I like a lot of the major bands and there's a lot of, there's a couple niche bands that I really, you know, like, um, enjoy you know so i i, I really you know, i'm not the person who, who my friends come to for like ska recommendations whatsoever i just happen to really like making the music and i listen to the bands that i like and I, maybe i just i don't know don't go searching so far and if something falls into place then i enjoy it but you know <laughs> yeah no I, I, I feel you and it, it could become overwhelming if you did try oh, yeah. and like know everything so just kind of mm. having that you know, the few, the few bands and, and kind of linking from one to the next, you know, oh, I think yeah. I've, especially here during COVID, I think I've, some of the ways I've found bands was because of bands doing collaborations with one another, you know, like video recordings, covers of like newfound glory songs or whatever, oh, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. Totally. So, um, so, so then how did Millington itself, you know, come about? So Millington came about, um, and you know, I, I don't know if I should reveal these East, maybe I will, I don't know, you'll probably enjoy this, but in a little, if I didn't tell you this, you would find out soon after the interview, when you go to look up Uncle Joel's comb, you'll realize that track one of Tubular from 2012 is a song called Millington. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, it's actually the street that I live on right now. It's a street I grew up on and, uh, it has a lot of like nostalgia and memories for me. Plus it sounds kind of regal, I thought. And in a way, like Uncle Joel's Comb, I always like absolutely detested the name for whatever reason. <laughs> I, I don't know. I wanted to go in a serious direction with it at times, and people didn't couldn't take it seriously just because of the name itself in some ways. So, um, you know, so I, you know, that was the name that I kind of picked um, for the new iteration. But basically, what happened is I was in California. Um, I was interning under John Feldman of Goldfinger, and um, you know, at the time. I was getting really, really homesick. And I, so I started texting everybody from Uncle Joel's comb. Um, and, you know, our singer had moved to California. Our bass player had, you know, moved south and got a job and our drummer moved to Philly. So I was like, okay. But one person from the old band did say like, oh yeah, let's, hell yeah, let's do it. Now I want, we had to start, and that was John Bentz actually, um, rest in pit rest in peace john bentz um but uh anyway john was down to uh you know start this new band with me and it was only two of the members so i was like okay we got to change that we have to do a new name because we don't have any of the old people you know what i mean so um that is that's how you know uncle joel's comb you know took a hiatus and came back as two of the original members and started a new band and and picked a name you know that was um you know, had relation to the old, you know, it was a song from the original album. That's really cool. And I love the, the sort of the flow from one to another, that, yeah. that, that honor for, for your past. Yeah. I, I, I definitely want to take a minute and pay respect to John. Um, for sure. Absolutely. I know, I know that he passed away not too long ago. And, yeah. um, uh, I think that 
a lot of people really could feel that loss, you know, yeah. people who oh, love yeah. your, your band and, and, uh, had met John and, and loved John. And so, yeah, uh, yeah. I imagine, especially since you guys have known each other so long. Um, oh, yeah, that, yeah, for um, sure. I mean, we've been on like the ska journey this whole time. You know, he was in Uncle Joel's comb and, uh, you know, coming back to it and everything like I, you know, in a lot of ways, I, you know, I wish I had let him know how loyal I, you know, I, I found him to be because you you just don't make you, you don't make uh, childhood friends anymore. You know what I mean? I can't make a yeah. childhood friend. I, I can make people, I can meet people that I will grow to love, but I will never, you know, those people that are were my childhood friends and that were my high school friends, like those, th that's just a, a finite number. And, you know, when they go, they go, but I will definitely carry him with me in all that I do, you know, going forward. It's music, especially music, but all things, you know, considered for sure. Yeah. Uh, I, I, and I, I can relate i had a, a childhood friend pass away or like mm. like about a year ago i'm sorry and, to hear uh, that it's very definitely a very uh very tough thing to process you know yeah oh my god um uh now now so it was you and john was that sort of the core lineup or you know how, how yeah. where, where did you get to to more of a solid lineup or so um you know i just i it was it started kind of as like a recording project we weren't sure if we could get to the band level but we wanted to because really what we were chasing is like that kind of those live performances we had so much fun playing live back in uncle joel's comb and we wanted to do that again so um we were like okay let's record an album and it'll be like if we if we build it they will come kind of thing and uh and it was in a sense you know we we shot um a music video and that music video for J45, um, you know, that was the day we met our drummer. You know, he was he was like an yeah. actor in the video. But he's like, I would play in this band. And, and he has been ever since, which is awesome. And then, um, you know, I met uh, our guitar player, Alex Malloy, through a, a very close friend of mine. And he's like, I never thought he would be into ska music. You know, he plays it real cool for sure. But, uh, you know, he uh, <laughs> he's totally warmed up to it. So I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know. Nice. Uh, yeah. So, I mean. You know, we're, we're definitely at a bit of a restructuring phase in a certain sense. You know, obviously we haven't played live in a year and a half plus or whatever. And then, you know, and obviously, you know, our, we've got to start thinking horn section and, and what that means, whether we're like going to hire people or we're going to like, you know, look for somebody to, that can, you know, fill the shoes in a certain sense, you know, different, but still like dependable um, right. in terms of horns. So, um, you know, who knows? But uh, yeah, that's that's kind of where we've gotten to, you know, where we're at now. So I think, first of all, I'm I, I, I'm very excited for the future of Millington because you guys, uh, I mean, everything you guys have put out, I loved, and 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 I'm gonna I'm gonna talk more about that in a second. I think one of the things that really makes you different uh, is that you know, first of all, as with any I guess genre, you have like gatekeepers, right? So there are people that are like, uh, that's not ska, you know what I mean? <laughs> like. Like yeah. no doubt pre Tragic Kingdom is ska, no doubt yeah. Tragic Kingdom and on not ska. Uh, right. <laughs> the, uh, you know, and 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 they want to like nitpick even like songs and stuff like that. And 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 I mean to each their own. That's that's not who I am. Like I kind of tend to be someone that like if this band is associated with ska, they're associated with ska in my mind forever. Yeah. You know, like is Return to Saturn by No Doubt ska? Absolutely not. But I'll <laughs> always think of No Doubt as like a ska related band. Right. You know? Right. Right. Um, but you guys sort of came up with this moniker for yourself, uh, uh, this this you know term that you guys are brass emo, and <laughs> yeah. uh, I think it's really fitting. But what kind of led to that? So, 
I don't want to say that because it's not a joke, but basically our guitar player, Alex, showed up with a, a shirt one day that said Dirt Emo on it. And it's actually like um, the... Rustin Kelly. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, I, yeah, I was going to try to remember that, but you got it. Um, yeah, Rustin Kelly, he put out... Uh, and even he put out, a, I think it was Dirt Emo Volume 1 or something was one of his. So, I mean, I was like, oh, Alex, wouldn't that be hilarious if we called it Brass Emo? And he's like, yeah, like, we shouldn't do that. <laughs> and then, like, lo and behold, like, behind the scenes, I had, I, I was like, oh, we're going to make, like, a skeleton guy with a trombone. <laughs> and, like, <laughs> I don't, you know, and it just... It kind of worked. I think really, honestly, our ours and Rustin Kelly's fan bases don't cross so much. So maybe it, you know, maybe that's not the worst thing in the world. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I was really just in the spirit of fun. and But honestly, it just kind of worked like really well in the sense that like, yeah, not everything we do is like very similar to third wave ska or like even the most recent ska. Like, I don't know. Like there was a point when we were writing Beatdown Generation, the record, we were like three songs in and, and none of them were very Scott like sounding at all, like no upstrokes. The horns were kind of not like jumpy, like in a ska song. And, you know, it wasn't until uh, John recommended that we write, we should, it's like, we should write, like if we're going to do all these pop punk songs on Beatdown Generation, we should write one song that's like, just like ska vibe throughout. And I was like, challenge accepted. And that ended up being the title track, Beatdown Generation. So, um, you know, I'm kind of on a tangent, but basically, uh, I don't know. It's it's so weird when it comes to labeling stuff because I don't know. Just like like yeah, we have horns and we do upstrokes, and I love ska, but I I love pop punk a lot, and that's really like how what I grew up on. So like, I don't know. Like I, labels are like uh, you know convenient for packaging things and finding an audience, but it's like other than that, man. I just like I don't know. I just love making the music that we make, and and it's kind of just turning into what it is. And yeah, people are gonna call it ska, and 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 or they're gonna say, oh, that's not even ska, depending on what side they're on. But uh, you know, I don't know. I'm just excited for people to hear it at the end of the day. Yeah, I think so. I think that that kind of what you hit on that idea of like what labeling is good for, because I, I tend to be like pretty, I hate most labels, especially because <laughs> right. I find that it causes people to be kind of jerks to one another. You know, I, oh, listen, yeah. to all, I listen to all kinds of music. Uh, I live in Texas. So like country comes up all the time and people are like, no, that's not country. That's, you know, country is only like, you know, Garth Brooks and before, and maybe right, not even right. Garth Brooks, you know, but, right. um, and I'm just like, I mean, it, is it good? Do you like it? Who, who really cares? Right, right. But, uh, but I do see how like one labels can be really confining for artists, but can also help people define the audience, you know? Mm, yeah. Uh, for sure. So, and especially for me, like growing up, uh, really listening to a lot of bands that were, there was sort of this, this whole Christian rock scene and almost every one of those bands were like, please don't call us Christian because they were like, even though the people were Christian, they were like, we can't, no, no bar wants to have a Christian band come right, in and, and right. play, you know? Yeah. And, I would uh, say like, that's, that's like a real, that's like, you think of like ska as niche, but like, that's, that's very, very niche. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like the labeling wise, like, you know what I mean? Like it's real, like, I'm sure it would be real hard to get on like a bill with like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> I'm just thinking out loud, I guess, but like, yeah, that, that I feel, especially in today's day and age, I feel like that's, that's very, very niche, but Yeah. Well, and I noticed, so you're wearing a Blink-182 shirt. You've talked about your love for pop punk. I'm, yeah. Uh, I'm, I've always kind of uh, said, like, my 
three favorite bands really in high school, um, besides Five Iron Frenzy, which has always been a, a favorite band for me, but uh, were uh, MXPX Green Day and Blink-182. Oh, nice. So, uh, so kind of which, you know, with that whole labeling thing too, MXPX dealt with that some. And then what ended up happening is they, you know, they toured with Bad Religion and then all mm. the Christians were just like, oh, you're the devil. So you're no longer Christian. See you later. And was well, MXPX a Christian band? They they were yeah they were uh, at least oh, in the no, beginning yeah. definitely uh, a Christian band. I don't, I, the lead singer Mike has has yeah. said at least for himself that he isn't a, a Christian anymore. Um, oh, okay. But for sure they they started as a Christian band on a label called Tooth and Nail that was pretty much all Christian rock. Right. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 But yeah, when they toured with Bad Religion for the Life in General album, the Christian community was like, "You're dead to us. See you later." Yeah, wow. So, Especially because yeah. Bad Religion's, uh, like, you know, without even know, like, they they have their name and they have their symbol, and without knowing anything about the band, it's like, just like, all right, that's, we'll steer clear, you know. Right. And and ironically, the uh, the you know Mike talked about one of the coolest things about that tour was that being this band that was known for being Christian, like these guys that were clearly atheists were like. <laughs> Uh, one of them, his wife was suffering from cancer and he's like, Hey man, will you guys pray for her? And he didn't really believe in prayer, but just was like good vibes and prayers and whatever, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so that's really cool. And meanwhile, all the Christians were like, no, you're selling out or whatever. I don't right. Know. Right. So I guess it um, happens literally in every scene. Uh, you know, even, I mean, I, I don't mean to call Christianity a scene, but the Christian music is a scene, you know, in a sense. Yeah. So yeah, I guess it kind of, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's wild. I mean, I know it, it, Mike personally, but I, I didn't know that that's that uh, story about him. So that's interesting. Yeah. Well, if you ever talk to him, uh, <laughs> I, I've, I've, I've met him a couple of times just in like yeah. signing lines. Yeah. But uh, you can ask if that story is true. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <it is. laughs> yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you you uh, I, I'm I, I want to come back to the pop punk vibes, but I want to mm. I, 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 we sort of skimmed over. You dropped a major name back there <laughs> with the. Oh. Uh, John Feldman. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So, uh, so tell me a, a little bit about how that came to be. Um, and real quick, that's how I know Mike because he plays bass in Goldfinger. But um, that came to be because I used to be, you know, like every uh, every kind of the beginning of every ska story is I was in a ska band in high school and I, you know, Real Big Fish would come to town. And I would go. And we really looked up to bands like Real Big Fish, Streetlight Manifesto. Less than Jake didn't play my hometown very much, but Real Big Fish always did. And, um, you know, one day the trumpet player, Scotty, um, left. And in his um, absence, a guy named Matt Appleton uh, joined on saxophone. Now, Matt Appleton, we have an, a, a mutual friend. Um, well, I guess not friend, but we know someone mutually. And he's from, uh, he went to school in New York. Um, and one day he's, I think he sent me a friend request. I remember there was something like weird, like, why did this happen? You know, cause like it was back when it wasn't like the people you may know kind of thing. Like it was just super, super random. I'm like, what well, isn't this the sax new saxophone player from real big fish? Anyway, he said like, he, I think he either, I sent him a friend request and he messaged me or he sent me a friend request and I messaged him. Anyway, we got talking long story short, Matt Appleton and I become pretty good friends. And, you know, I would meet up with him after Real Big Fish shows a couple, you know, they would come to town one year, be like, hey, what's going on? Like, tell me about like behind the scenes stuff. And I was in high school at the time. So I thought like that was like and it's still like the coolest stuff ever. But like, you know, like um, over time, I started getting into audio and he's like, hey, if you like um, recordings and if you like if you really, really want to learn that stuff, like I can get you an internship with John Feldman because like 
I'm I was his like go to Pro Tools wizard. You know what I mean? Like I I was like the, his go to engineer, and um, I was like, all right, yeah, that that sounds amazing <laughs> to me. Again, like I and I was I think I was like early college at this time. So like that was like I was you know I would bet went into class the next day like a recording class and I was like bragging about like oh yeah I'm gonna be in L A in a couple years and it, it did take a couple years. So you know nobody really believed me and they were like hey weren't you supposed to be like interning by now and it didn't happen till way later, but uh, you know that's how I got there, and uh, yeah, it was it was, I don't know, it was it was really crazy. It, it still kind of feels like a dream. I, I felt like in that moment, like if you want, I can get you an internship with John Feldman, just a Wayne's World moment. Like, sure, I'll intern with <laughs> yeah. John Feldman. <laughs> right, right, exactly. Like uh, I'm not worthy. Right, um, right, right. Yeah. Uh, I'm sorry, SNL, don't sue me. So. <laughs> uh, but okay, so uh, so we've talked about. By the way, I have to ask, and now, I'm, man, this just shows you where my brain is like everywhere. It's all good. Uh, you mentioned the Rustin Kelly Dirt emo album. Have you? How, did you get? Did you listen to it? I I've heard a couple tracks on it. I it's like it's very. He's maybe just the song or two that I heard. His voice didn't do it for me because he's he's got a very very unique like very nasally voice. And it, like the I think it was maybe it was not even that, but like the way that it was mixed in the record and like the listening setup I had. I just remember like cutting through and like it just hit me on the wrong ears on the wrong day maybe. And I just I don't know. It wasn't necessarily for me in that moment, but yeah, there was some there were some interesting choices, but uh, there's definitely a connection that we'll talk about here later with you as well. But they. Uh, the the way I found him was the the cover of uh, was it hands down with Chris Caraba. Um, oh yeah yeah yeah. So uh, I'm a huge dashboard fan, and uh, uh, so hearing that now I actually heard you guys and heard uh, you know the the term uh, brass emo before I heard of Rustin Kelly and. Dirt oh emo. no way! So I'm <laughs> Points gonna say for he us. stole it from you. Yeah, I'm gonna say he stole it from you. Yeah. Uh, his probably his ex-wife Casey Musgraves uh, said oh, yeah. that uh, <laughs> that hey you should check out this band and he was like Brassimo that's got a ring to it but I'm gonna yeah, try to right yeah rewrite history a little bit yeah. uh, Rustin but if I you're heard... listening I really like your voice and I'm sorry for what I said earlier <laughs> <laughs> yeah okay so uh, how I found you guys I found you guys through your video for University. Um, which was, uh, man, I just, I, and you'll have to excuse, I don't know why my dog is freaking out in the other room oh, right that's now. That's okay. Um, but the, uh, I, I uh, saw the video for University and the sound uh, of your band on University, I was just like, oh man, as someone who grew up really loving pop punk, mm. uh, you know, loving ska, but, but probably I was much more of a pop punk guy and then really into emo as well. I was like, oh, this is, 100 percent of my alley and i just had to hear more of you guys uh so i kind of found you through that song so since that's the song i found you through can you tell me a little bit about that song yeah yeah university kind of came about it was like after our first ep um and we were like and we had done two singles prior to that but um it was kind of like i don't like i i definitely i was at the top of my game in a sense that i was like you know, writing all the time. And like, we weren't, we like, we were at the point where like, we weren't doing albums, we were doing all singles. So like, I knew that every song I, ha I was doing at the time, 
Um, and I don't know why we're doing all singles, but every song I was doing at the time, like had to be of single quality. So I literally like poured everything like I could into that. Like, you know, we took lots of extra time to write one song and, um, it was kind of like a combination of like, it kind of had like the misery business kind of guitar vibe, um, coming into it where the horns play. Uh, that's kind of where I like bounced off of. Um, and then like, you know, we kind of went for like a Blink-182 self-titled, uh, verse where like, you know, the drums sound like they're in a tin can almost before they come out. And then like, uh, the, you know, it's just bass with before the guitar comes in and like, you know, I was definitely like playing off of stuff that Blink has done before. Um, and then like kind of when it comes to like the chorus, we did like almost this, like a day to remember big group vocal, um, which, you know, I, th I think that turned out pretty cool. And um, yeah, it was like the song itself is is I don't like I guess it's kind of like there's there was an article written about the music video and it was saying that the like the visuals kind of bounce off of the lyrics in the sense that it's like this this empty, almost haunted looking house where it's like, you know, like a ghost, you only feel me when you're all alone and kind of like this um, this feeling of like, you know, something was here that's not anymore and like growing up like the, the last kind of um, lyrics are talking about how like you know you've basically been distanced from somebody and you're wondering did you did they ever marry like their small town boyfriend or did you know they or did they move to the city and lose themselves or you know what I mean so um, it's yeah it's kind of like this big grand it's definitely not like a, a a good vibe song in that regard it's it's more of like this kind of big everything kind of big like you know anthemic vocals kind of like uh, a dark but like relatable subject matter in a sense and um yeah I, like and the horns just like the, the thing that i was super happy about with that song is that when we wrote the horns for that like i wasn't sure that they would fall into place because sometimes they work but they're more like background instruments but in this one they were kind of like I don't know. They just, I feel like they, they fell right into place. So like whenever they were playing, they were allowed to be like the center of attention, even if there was vocals, you, you know, it's, I can't explain why these things work sometimes and why they don't, but you know, even if there was vocals, the horns were allowed to be like very important instruments in that song. So I was excited about that. Yeah. And I, I, I everything you just said is a lot of why I love that song. I think maybe when you were talking about it, it helped me to kind of realize too, that one of the things I really loved about it. So one of the things that brought me back to ska that I really love about ska is that ska is, it's fun. You know, it's just fun music. And, yeah. and you know, um, especially I was kind of getting into it as we were going into lockdown, you know, mm. just, I mean, it's been, I don't know how many, how long it's been now. It feels like it's been forever since lockdown started. Almost but, two years probably, but I mean, yeah. lock, you know, lockdown with an asterisk now, but you know, it's, yeah, it's, it's been going the whole Corona things. Yeah. It's probably coming up on two years. It feels like. So the, everything just felt so serious. So fun music was great. But oh, then yeah. as I was kind of listening to all these and, and not to say that all ska music is fun and not serious <laughs> or anything like that, but like what I dug about it was here was this new ska band that like was hitting that emo vibe, you know, where we could, we could deal with some sadness, deal with sure. some, heartbreak and yeah. stuff like that um you know i think real big, big fish has songs like that too they do i was just thinking about them yeah <laughs> but so, sometimes you don't realize that their song is if you're not really paying attention to the lyrics you don't realize like hey this is a heartbreak song you know right because, yeah i mean he his lyrics could be aaron barrett's lyrics could be just as dark as mine if not darker but the fact that he sings it like this <laughs> but like it almost you know it's representation it's like almost 
you know, if you were reading, if you were reading their lyrics from a sheet of paper, you'd be like, oh my God, <laughs> you know, but, right. but it's the presentation in a sense, you know what I mean? Um, so yeah, no, I'm, I'm right. I'm right on right there with you when it comes to that. Yeah. There's a, I'm trying, oh man, I'm trying to think of it real quick. Um, uh, oh, okay. The, the song, Hey Ya, do you remember that song? Um, uh, by Outcast or whatever. Yes. It was like, yep. Hey, yeah. Yeah. That, that song. Yeah. So, um, real poppy, high, high energy song, fun song. Have you ever read the lyrics of that song? No, I have. I just remember the Polaroid picture part. I'm pretty sure it's like a, the whole song's about divorce. It's oh super God. depressing. Yeah. And, uh, there's this, uh, the only reason I know that is because there was this guy who covered it and it would like kind of went viral on YouTube or whatever a long time yeah. ago named Obadiah Parker was the name of his band. And, uh, it's way stripped down and folky. Okay. And I remember listening to it. I was like, oh my God, is that what this song is about? <laughs> like, right. Cause they take the beat away and all of a sudden it's two instruments. So you have to pay attention to the lyrics and stuff. Yeah. That's wow. I, I gotta, I really gotta check that out. Cause I feel like I've heard somebody bring that up in the past, but never actually followed through with like, like the looking at what the lyrics are, but now I'm, I'm definitely, gonna, I'm going to open up a tab right now. Yeah. It's that, that Obadiah Parker covers good. It's it, I used to listen to it a lot. I, I have this thing. I really, I really, really love covers and especially covers that sound way different than the originals. So anyway, I'm on a tangent here. Um, no, you're good. Yeah. Uh, the next so, segment is is Millington reads the lyrics from Hey Ya. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Right, absolutely. <laughs> so let's see. Uh, right, like shortly after. Okay. Well, actually, let me ask you a question related to what you just said. Sure. You said that university you had had an EP out before the one you university was on. So I feel like the I, maybe I don't know all your music because I knew about there's sort of the self-titled EP, right? That, and that's, that's the what one, yeah. That's the one university's on, isn't it? Uh, university is a single that doesn't necessarily belong to either EP. So it, it goes self-titled EP. Uh, then there's three singles, Cold in the City, I Don't Want You Back, University. They, they're kind of standalone. And then Beat Down Generation came out. But on the Beat Down Generation CD, I did take those three singles and put it onto the CD just to like, because I figured why not just put them on as bonus tracks or whatever. But they are, for all intents and purposes, they are their own, like, sing, you know, song. they're not on, like, the Spotify album as Beatdown Generation. They're just standalone singles with their own art and everything. So I'm thinking, like, the way I've listened to your music has primarily been YouTube, Apple Music, and the vinyl. Sure. So is it on the Beatdown Generation side of the vinyl? So it's not. So, yeah, right. Um it, yeah, th those three. I want. I was kind of like thinking of maybe like making like a a seven inch for th those, but then I was like, oh wait, like vinyl is expensive, and and yeah. you really have to have like a a super good. Per and that's why I think like uh, labels like um, Bad Time Records are really crushing it because like they they did that split with Less Than Jake. It's a seven inch. They did the Wave uh, Wave Breaker. Uh, uh, what it's not. A it's not an L, what's the opposite of an LP? I guess it's a single. And like basically, like you know, they had like some merch with it, and they they packaged it in the perfect way that I'm sure they were able to like do a bunch of singles. Because like doing singles almost doesn't make sense unless it does. You know what I mean? Like, that's yeah. It's kind of weird to say, but like you know, it's such a um, it's like it's almost like the apex of physical media, where it's like nothing about this needs to exist. You know, it. But if we're gonna do it, we're gonna do it right. You know. Yeah, I I mean, the 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 art of the single has been lost to this generation to some degree. You oh, know, yeah. I mean, they, like they catch it as like an individual track, but like, I mean, I remember going to 
the store and buying like singles on cassette tape and singles on CD, you know, I, oh, yeah. I some of my earliest uh, purchases I can remember uh, purchasing um, Two Princes by <laughs> Spin Doctors. Oh, nice, nice, nice. Uh, and uh, and uh, what was that song by Guns N' Roses from uh, Terminator? Um, oh, I don't know. Uh, I don't remember the name. Of Is it, it one of their big big songs or? It was a it was a hit. It was a it was a single that they did on the radio or whatever. But um, uh, I'm not going to remember the name of it right now. Fair enough. Um, <laughs> but the yeah. So but we don't have that as much. I do love you know those you know seven inch records and and I I, I sometimes accidentally call them forty fives, but they're not all forty fives. <laughs> but um, I do think that wave breaker that you talked about, they did package it so well, and especially the little like uh, metal like yeah the topper thing that was cool. I was like, well, I guess I'm buying this now. Right, exactly. <laughs> like they like they just again, like selling like seven inches like in 2021, like doesn't make sense whatsoever. But the fact is, like they made them, then they sold them out. I'm sure I think they sold, you know, sold them out. If not, they sold, you know, a whole boatload worth. No pun intended. Uh, but uh, yeah, no, they they amaze me for sure. Because, uh, you know, Bad Time Records is definitely crushing it. Like, you know, like capitalizing on like, a genre that was, you know, primarily in the nineties doing the, you know, or at least had their biggest spike in the nineties, you know, so far and like, you know, selling media that's, you know, vinyl, which is all was also kind of like, you know, in the nineties, which was, you know, switched to CDs, pretty much everybody eighties and nineties. And, and that somehow in 2021 with those two, <laughs> that equation, like ska plus vinyl, and they're just selling out. And they, I, I think they're, I think Mike just must be like a, a marketing wizard, you know, over at that time. Yeah, they're they're definitely doing a good job. Those yeah. uh, the they're I know they're on their second pressing of that that seven inch that you're talking about. Oh, nice, so, cool. Yeah. So, and uh, you, speaking of your vinyl, uh, mm. are there still copies available for people who hear this podcast? There are. Um, we pro I want to say we have like, well, we have a, a good handful left. So. I'm not going to put a number out there, but suffice to say that once these are gone, even if we do do another pressing of it with the vinyl shortage, it's not going to be for a hot minute. So get them other hot people. <laughs> well, I was so happy. Uh, yours was the first one that I saw like that. I actually found out later that half past two had done something like that too. Oh yeah. But you know, getting two EPs on one full full length vinyl record, because um, I, like I said, I really liked your music and, and you know, I'm, sorry that i didn't know that university wasn't necessarily on that vinyl because sometimes i mix up where i've listened to it at sure. um but i definitely was like i gotta get a copy of this album i wanted to get a copy of beatdown generation and then when you started asking hey would y'all want if we did this on both sides yeah i was like yes please so <laughs> i was super pumped for that yeah yeah i i kind of just like worked out that way because i was thinking about like because i really really wanted to do a vinyl record like that was something i've wanted to do for so long even before this band existed and it just it's again it's expensive so like i didn't know that we could do it and i was like do i have to write a whole you know 12 song album just so i can do this and i was like all right you know what like i'm gonna measure out i was like how much time are you allowed to have on each side of a vinyl and it just worked out like perfectly like that so I was like all right let's do it yeah well, it's a, it's definitely one that I enjoy listening to, and I'm I'm thankful for having it, man. Thank you. Um, so, uh, so going into Beatdown Generation, uh, first of all, another great album, absolutely killer. I've I've talked to several people about that album, 
And for, for me and, and several others, we, we like, you know, every track on it, but it seems like a track that really sticks out to us is misery. Um, I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Sounds like I'm just like, give me, give me all the painful songs, but, right. uh, <laughs> but tell, tell, tell me a little bit about misery if you don't mind. Yeah. Misery. I don't know. Like, like when it comes to, I mean, I guess I could talk about the message of the song or I could talk about the music because they're both kind of different. I would, I suppose that the music itself is the most notably different. If you listen through the album, you know, if you hear the first eight bars or whatever, you might wonder if it's our band, you know, because it's basically it's a different kind of guitar. It's a different, you know, different settings and everything. It's like kind of pulled back in terms of energy for a good chunk of it. And I think, I don't know, like writing that song, I was just like, you know, I was, I was, I was motivated, but I was certainly like going through it in terms of like, you know, just emotions of the, you know, every day. And, and I was kind of just like reminiscing, reminiscing on things that like, you know, were once here that are not anymore and, and, and whatnot. And, uh, you know, I mean, I personally, you know, I am somebody that struggles with depression and, and, and whatnot and you know, that song for me is kind of like a pinnacle of that, you know, like it's not and it's not like wallowing in it so much. I mean, I know that I called it misery and uh, honestly, like it's a it's one word. And it, I thought that that was the best way to like sum it all up. But it's not like a song about wallowing. It's kind of just a, it's a song about reflecting. And, and sometimes that's what you need to do if you're in a tricky spot. So in terms of like the vibe, you know, the vibe kind of matches up with the lyrics. Like I wanted something to be like spacey you know like i didn't want it to be like if there's too many drum beats that are like too close together then maybe something will get lost so i wanted it to be kind of like you know the drums to kind of you know instead of hitting on two and four most of the time they're hitting on three most of the time so that kind of gives you this space to to think a little bit and 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 that's a big part of what that song is and then on top of that um you know there's this the guitar part and it's kind of got this heavy like chorusy almost like 80s like effect on it and uh, that that can be kind of uh, harkened back to like stuff that Tom DeLonge has done in the more recent years with his band Angels and Airwaves, um, and uh, yeah, when it, I, I mean I knew I wanted horns on it. It was kind of the last thing we wrote on it, just because like me and John were like, how on earth do we <laughs> fit horns into this song? But it kind of you know it worked out at the end of the day. You know like we weren't we weren't like all right let's just put horns everywhere because we're a ska band. It wasn't anything like that. It was like this song is you know. It's a it's an important song, you know. It's an important song to me. It was an important song to the band. So we're like, let's put them where they work. Let's not put them where they don't work, and we'll kind of build like the soundscape. Man, it's it's again the whole album's great. Beatdown Generation, the song is fantastic. You know, Thank every you. track on there. I'm not sure why Misery stood out to me so so much, but I really love hearing you talk about it. And you know, I'm one of those people. I've always been like, I like to make mixes for myself. You know, yeah, yeah. Um, back in high school, I made mixes, and I sort of created my own like record company that I would put. You know, it was Purple Monkey Records. Uh, That's Purple awesome. Monkey Records presents. Yeah. You know, and and then make this compilation, and I would give it give them to folks and stuff. And um, and I've uh, made a couple compilations that misery's shown up on that I've given Ooh. to uh, uh, actually gave one to uh, we because of COVID uh, I'm a, I'm a high school English teacher mm. and we have a bunch of uh, kids that had been my former students that were seniors that weren't going to get their prom, weren't going to get, you know, yeah. weren't sure if we we're yeah. going to have graduation. 
And so a bunch of people in the community decided to sort of adopt a senior and bring them gifts. Oh, that's awesome. And um, so I adopted one of my former students and she, I, and so, you know, I gave her a little sheet. I'm like, you know, tell me what you're into so I can get you stuff. And she was like, I really like punk. And uh, <laughs> nice. I was like, done. <laughs> so I made this mix of like some of my favorite punk and ska songs and took it to her. And she was like, man, every track on there's really good. I, I'm going to have to check out all those bands. So, so you've, you've been, you've been shared on one of my mixes. Uh, that's how much I love that song. Oh, thank you very much. <laughs> uh, absolutely dude so so uh after that you have another out you have another ep that came out and this is the brassimo volume one right so yes yes so which which volume one usually means <laughs> that one day there will be a volume two but uh right right so some kind of how did you choose which songs you were going to cover on this um let's see it, honestly it started so i i did the dashboard confessional cover first and that was kind of like you know, that was at the height of lockdown. So none of the band could come, not even like with masks. It wasn't even at that point. It was like literally we were getting takeout every day at my house and just like not leaving the house. It was like, but at that time I was like, I need to be making music. So I did the dashboard confessional cover because I love that song. And I've always kind of played that. It kind of sits well with my voice range. And, you know, it was so much fun that, um, Oh, and actually Chris Caraba from the band retweeted it and he was like, oh, this is fire or whatever. So I was like, it was very, it was very motivated. And I was like, oh, what if I could like do a bunch of other songs and like maybe like try to reach out to the art, oh, sorry, reach out to the artists as well. And like, maybe they can retweet it. I don't know. But, um, you know, as it started to come together. So the next one was EXO by Fall Out Boy. And that just happens to be my girlfriend's favorite song by her favorite band. And it was kind of like a coincided with like a birthday gift bonus thing. Um, nice. And then um, what else was there? um the third one that we chose was uh probably the lesson jake song and i consider that to be emo even though it's like i don't know that anthem album by lesson jake I, I guess it was on another album too but anyway that album is very um you know kind of like like very influential for me in terms of like they have some like real like tearjerker songs really pop punk with horns and i was like okay this can fit didn't really change much about it, but basically turned it into a duet with Tara Han. Um, so that was cool. Um, I'm, I feel like I'm freaking. Oh, the first song, Strangers. Um, the fun thing about that one was that originally that song is by Trash Boat, which is a UK band, which features um, an American from um, the band The Wonder Years. And I flipped it and I did um, uh, for Strangers, I did. Um, you know, obviously us as an American band. And then the the guest vocal was given to Call Me Malcolm, which is obviously um, a UK band, uh, Lucius from Call Me Malcolm. Um, and then I did, then we did, you know, because it's brass emo, um, we did, um, what the heck is that? My Chemical Romance song that I'm just drawing a blank on right now. Ghost of You. Um, and one of my good friends, Emily Mitchell, was is also really into My Chemical Romance. So I was like, hey, let's do it. And then to top things off, I guess the last song isn't um, <laughs> very emo, but John Vince really, really wanted to do this one song from JoJo. Um, and I was like, all right, well, we're doing a cover album. Like, it's not really emo, but like, let's just go all out. It'll be like, we'll put it at the end of the album, I guess, as like a, a bonus track if, if people are like, you know, have issues with how emo it is. But uh, that one was so much fun and like such a learning experience. It's probably the most uh, Pro Tools tracks I've ever had in a session. 
That's cool, man. It's really cool to hear how you picked all those. And, yeah. you know, points points for the, the song for your girlfriend. So that's nice. That's way, <laughs> way to think ahead. Right, I, right. I, I will say that you play you did you put like a clip on your social media of you doing vindicated and again huge huge dashboard confessional fan for mm. forever and then also i mean even back when chris was in further seems forever i was a big fan um and then uh you did uh i'm also a huge spider-man fan so <laughs> right you know kind of best of both worlds That's the spider-man I, 2 uh outro song right i was like this is this is it, man. I'm. Uh, I've got ska mixing with emo, mixing with Spider Man. Spider Man. <laughs> I can. Yeah. I can die happy. Right. <laughs> yeah. so, That's good. Uh, just really, really enjoyed those choices, and I'm looking yeah. forward to whatever you just whenever you decide to do volume two. You know yeah. how, however down the road, what what'll be on that that uh that mix. That's that's a great question. Um, you know, originally I chose volume one because it was kind of parodying parody parody parodying um that uh rustin kelly record but i also you know it wasn't just a joke in the sense that i love the idea of volume one because it leaves that door open and i could see how well the first one did um for in terms of volume two i'm not 100 sure what i'm going to pick but it's funny because people have reached out to me and been like hey like would you consider this for brassimo volume two like a record that might not ever exist but like I'm like oh yeah totally like send me your recommendations i'm 100 open to it um, yeah, actually funny story. One band that we used to look up to as a kid, as kids uh, in high school, as Uncle Joel's Comb, we opened for them and they were like way bigger than us. Um, they're called uh, I Call Fives and they, I think they took a, a, a hiatus, but they recently tagged me as Millington in something as like a go check out this music. And I was like, oh my God, we opened for you guys like way back when. And he's like, does this mean you'll cover our song on Brass Emo Volume 2? And I was like, Whoa, like like uh <laughs> like just like full circle moment like like i'm in the big times now <laughs> like not really but yeah. that's awesome man yeah well well i'll throw i'll throw my track out there insincerity as an art form by further seems forever uh but chris caraba was not in the band at that point Aww. but, <laughs> but a, okay yeah i'll check it out it's a it's a it's a fantastic track um it had a uh, jason gleason who went on to be in several other good bands so awesome um, okay, so uh, I almost didn't talk about this. I I, I can't believe I forgot this. I, we got to talk about your Beach Boys cover, right? <laughs> oh yeah, because that was like uh, I don't. When did that come out? I mean, it's 2021, but that was our most recent release. I mean, it wasn't too too long ago. It was probably April sometime. I was gonna say it felt like it came out like just in time for summer and yeah. perfect summer track, like good vibes all the cool. way around. I remember um, one of those guys from. Uh, uh, on the upbeat were like saying they were so happy for that because it was perfect summer ska song yeah yeah that's well that's awesome of them to say yeah um i mean what, what sorry cut out for a second actually, what led to that cover oh no, you're good. Um, what, what led to that cover yeah um basically the beach i mean between blink 182 and the beach boys those are my two favorite bands i i, I think one of them is more obvious than the other but uh you know, I, I went through like that was kind of like what I listened to as a kid, like growing up. That's what was always in the car. Like I didn't really have a choice in the music, I guess, until I was in middle school. Not that I really cared, but, you know, um, back then it was like that was what was in, in, in the car. And, uh, you know, in college, um, I rediscovered the Beach Boys and like it was this big like 
moment of like my childhood nostalgia clashing with like the music I knew at that point and like all of a sudden I started like researching vocal harmonies and like researching Brian Wilson and like 60s productions and stuff like that and like I really really like that's all I listened to for like two years basically it was just like surf rock oldies like Jan and Dean and Beach Boys and that I mean that that was a huge part of like it is a huge part of who I am now in terms of a musician like obviously I don't record with 60s style but like maybe sometimes I approach like certain vocal harmonies or arrangements in that way um so that being said um that's kind of how that cover came to be is like i asked the guys i was like would you like you know we don't really have any singles ready or anything would you want to do this it might be like a fun cool thing to do and they were all on board so well it's a it's a great pick man for sure thank you thank you um so i i usually like to let me just make sure real quick i i've got my list of questions i want to make sure i'm not missing anything <laughs> i would really be bummed if i didn't ask you uh yeah okay so one of the things i usually like to ask is if you like, if you got the opportunity to shout out a ska band, a band that you think has not gotten enough love or respect, um, you know, who would you choose to shout out? And I've got to say that when I gave this question to Tara from Half Past Two, mm -hmm. she shouted you guys out. Yeah, so. I heard it. And I was, I was honestly, I was very honored. Uh, she's honestly, she's been like a huge supporter of us since day one. And I, I mean, that in the best way, like, you know, like just kind of finding other people on the internet talking about you makes you feel like you're doing something you know big and 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 because you know you know in part you know what she's done is has made me feel like very legitimate in what i'm doing so like you know every time every interaction i have with tara is awesome and uh you know that makes me feel you know just really awesome that there's people out there like her but to answer your question the band that i would say that people really need to hear um is this band uh from japan called mason's party they're um I think they describe themselves as like miracle party ska or something like that. But it's, uh, I mean, uh, just a lot of good words in there. But basically, um, <laughs> they just put out a record and um, they, they actually handled the American distribution through um, Ska Punk International. But um, so you can get the record here. I think you can still get it. It might maybe maybe his copies have sold out. But um, I would definitely say look it up because, you know, the. I, I've known them from the internet for a long time. They just put out this really killer record. Um, the guitar player from Hey Smith, which is another big uh, Japan ska band, uh, produced it. And it's like, it's really, really hip and it's really happening. And just like, you know, it's got songs you can like, you know, you feel like depending on the situation, you might feel like you're at the show because you can and you know exactly how you're going to dance to each song at the show. Like there's there's like moshing songs. There's like jump like there's beats where you're, you feel like you can jump to. Um, they've got this one song. It's like called like Bam, 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 Boom or Boom, 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 Bam or something like that. But it's like <laughs> it's like it's like like maniacal almost like it almost starts like a like a dark carnival like you know like almost you know like and but like it, it gets fast and like they get to this one point like um when it's like really happening where like they start doing like these distorted chords but they're doing them as like upstroke ska chords which i didn't know was you, i thought that was illegal i thought you had to do clean guitar for ska sections and like the dirty guitar for like the punk sections but they did like the dirty guitar on the upbeat and I, like it just it, like it was the first time i've heard it work and i was like oh my god like that kind of like that one moment alone was like i feel like i have to do that somewhere on my next album now you know so um yeah so definitely if you like punk rock if you like fast 
party music, just awesome vibes. Definitely check out Mason's Party from Japan. Uh, man, I'm definitely like, so I think I've heard like a track by them and I, and I mm. dug it, but I haven't had a chance to really sit and listen to them for very much. So I'm definitely going to do that. And especially you say that they're produced by the guy from Hey Smith. I love yeah. Hey Smith. So yeah. I'm, I, I definitely want to hear more about that. So, uh, which, which kind of, uh, you know, we're going to, normally I like to ask some questions about reading and I'm going to, I'm going to get into that here in a second, but kind of transitioning into that. Um, you have this affinity for Japanese stuff. It seems like Japanese yeah. culture, Japanese language. I what's, what's that about? So it's kind of like the way it started is kind of interesting I, in the sense that it like basically could have happened to anyone, but I, it was like kind of early in our uh, iteration as a band and somebody reached out on Twitter and, or, I mean, they tagged us. They didn't necessarily reach out, but the message, the tweet was in all Japanese. And I, like click Google Translate and I read what Google Translate had to say and I was like, okay, <laughs> you know, like that's, okay, I get the gist of what they're saying. But like in that moment, I was like, what if I learn this language? And so I went and got like a, a trial membership and I was enjoying the trial membership so much to this rocket Japanese, you know, language course. And I was like, okay, you know what? Like I'm going to, you know, it says that I get a deal if I buy three years right now or whatever. So I did and I, and I haven't fallen off yet. So, um, that's kind of where it started. And then, uh, you know, my girlfriend got really into anime, like incidentally, she didn't, doesn't speak any Japanese really. Um, but, at this, you know, like it was a cool thing for us to do together because it was this thing that she really enjoyed. It was this thing I was learning. And like, you know, like I've just found that it's kept my mind so elastic, you know, being, you know, a couple of years removed from school now, like the big thing is that like, I don't want to just fall into the ways that I am and stay that way. You know, like I'm, ha you know, I'm happy with myself as a person, but I want to stay elastic to ideas and concepts. And I think that like learning something that's so, so, so foreign, like not based on anything that I've learned already, you know, has kept me like, you know, on the edge of my seat in terms of like in intercepting new information, you know? So yeah, it's been, it's been an awesome thing. And I'm so glad that, the, you know, the, that one person tweeted at me that one day, cause it's, it's been like a really, really cool thing. That's awesome, man. That's really, it's cool how like something that someone probably didn't think anything of, you know, right. uh, could, could, impact someone's life in such a way yeah yeah so i know i asked you a while back before i ever had the idea of doing a podcast i asked uh, a few bands that i was really digging at the time you know hey what are your band members favorite bands and uh, then i did almost nothing with that <laughs> so uh but it, this is an opportunity to talk about it one of the things that you said is that you know primarily for you it was going to be manga yeah. and and um which is really cool because I'm so like I said, I'm an English teacher. Um, yeah. I've been teaching for 10 years. I just finished my degree to be a school librarian, which is, you know, my goal here in the future. Um, and uh, uh, manga is probably my weakest area. You know, <laughs> it, it, I know some of it just from friends that have read it. Yeah. Um, and in library school, that was the first time that I really ever read any. Wow. And I, I, I dug it. I, yeah. you know, I liked it. So uh, kind of how did you find manga and what are some of the manga that you're into? So, um, admittedly, I haven't really read any manga in English. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm doubling like, you know, my fun comic reading with a learning thing. So I'm, I have Jojo right here. Uh, obviously the, the listeners won't see this, but it's, um, you know, it's, it's, it's in Japanese. Um, and you know, 
manga, like what I've come to learn about manga, especially in Japan, is that everybody reads it. You know what I mean? Like there's no like, you know, like whereas like here it might just like comic books might be like, you know, pushed more toward or marketed more towards like, you know, younger boys or or even just, you know, teenagers of all kinds or, or young adults maybe. But, you know, over the there, they're guys living in their parents' basement. Right, yeah. right. Maybe. Right. But I don't know, you know, like to each his own. But at the end of the day, like, you know, manga is like really they make it stuff for everybody. They make, you know, like there's there's like romance. There's like, I don't know. There's so much. I'm I haven't really gotten too, too far into it. I've, I've come to learn how many there are and how like how the artists like really like just you know it's a it is an art it's like it's so much of a of a special thing and it's it's really really cool it's cool to see like you know like for example jojo right i'm reading jojo and every every uh major part of jojo there's a main character that's named jojo right so part one there's joseph joestar jojo and uh part two it's like jonathan joestar and but so for example this is the sixth part and the it's the first time jojo is a, a woman and I'm, i get to see how this particular artist writes you know for a main character who's a woman and it he uh, you know like i don't i've never seen anything like that like it's just like funny that the words that they choose and yeah no i i definitely like recommend it uh i you know i in in high school i i was certainly like you know a little bit more apprehensive about it but uh you know now that I, I don't know. Like, I wish I, I wasn't because it's it's a really, really cool thing. And, and just the art's great. The writing's great. I say everybody go out and find your favorite manga. So I've, I'm a huge I, – I was a big comic book lover for a long time. And yeah. then, you know, I kind of fell into the trap that I think a lot of people do, which is I started feeling like it was immature and I shouldn't like it. Right, and right. I, I stopped reading it. And I, I came back to it. Um, admittedly for maybe not the best reason I was excited about the Ryan Reynolds Green Lantern movie <laughs> and uh, which I don't think Ryan Reynolds is excited for anymore <laughs> right 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 but that got me back into reading comics and as a teacher and as a librarian I've always really advocated that like all reading is good reading you know if you like yeah. it you like it yeah for sure. and um, of all the book talks I've done so kind of the way the Rudy librarian started was I was doing videos on YouTube uh, for my students that were in quarantine trying to make them aware of books that they might enjoy reading uh, because my number one goal is to get my kids to love reading. And, um, and I think that like a lot of kids, they, they actually love reading as elementary school kids. And then we mm. start dictating what they should and shouldn't read right. and they start hating it. And right. by the time they get to high school, they have zero love for reading. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Yeah. No, I, that, I think I fit in that, uh, or at least at the time I fit into that category. Yeah. So I started doing these videos on YouTube and of all the videos I've done, the one that has gotten the most hits is uh, Naruto, uh, which I don't know if I pronounced that right. I know. It's oh, you did. You got it. Okay, cool. But it's a, it's, it's a three in one volume. And it's like the first three volumes of Naruto that I had to, which I had to read for my library school and it was good. I dug it, man. And yeah. uh, I'm really actually very excited right now because, um, um, uh, Gary from Backyard Superheroes and I, we have a podcast that we do Star Wars stuff. Okay, and, cool. Uh, That's awesome. And we, we primarily talk about these Star Wars High Republic books. And on the 7th of uh, September, they're coming out with their first original uh, uh, manga. They've had manga that have been like adaptations of books oh, they've already done. 
okay. But this is their first original manga that's connected to High Republic, and it's called The Edge of Balance, and it looks That sounds great. awesome. Yeah, that sounds so cool. Because I, I know that they're actually doing an anime soon, too. So, like, that's, I mean, they're definitely capitalizing on, on what's becoming a, a large, like, a big media uh, in our country, uh, it seems. So, like, that's that's really, really cool. I mean, I, I'm i a huge Star Wars fan myself, and uh, I think that that sounds really awesome. Is that in any way tied to the, like, Old Republic things that are coming out? Like, I know they're doing, like, uh, not necessarily Knights of the Old Republic, but they're doing, they announced a movie that's going to be, like, um, Old Republic or something like that. So they have, well, so they were going to do the, rain, like, uh, something like Rangers of the New Republic or something like that. Okay. That show got canceled uh, gotcha. after, like, that, that they were going to do. Because it was kind of going to be based around the the character that Gina Carano created for Mandalorian. Uh, okay. Um, but then she said <laughs> some stuff that got her fired. Right, so, right, right. I was gonna say say no more. I I, I see where you're going with this. <laughs> yeah, um, but the High Republic stuff is like a, a literary campaign that they created. That's mm -hmm. it takes place like. I think a thousand years before the prequels or something like that. Right. Right. Um, and they've been doing it in, uh, there's, there's phases and their waves. So we're in phase one right now, but we're in the, the second wave. So every wave has like an adult novel, a middle grade novel, a young adult novel and comics. Yeah. And so, uh, the second wave is adding to that because it's adding an audio drama and a, uh, and a manga. That's uh, so cool to it as well but yeah it's it's really cool you know they kind of reach out so that everybody that whatever you like there's something for you oh yeah totally if you like so. reading books from right to left <laughs> and uh you know i don't know i mean in my mind manga and comics they're they're pretty like you know the on surface level they're very very similar i think there's a lot of nuances to it i i haven't discovered them all myself but i think it's 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 yeah it's going to be cool. It's going to be really cool. I'm sure. I'm really glad Star Wars is doing that. Yeah. My son picked up his first manga the other day at the library and uh, it was pretty funny. He's, he's eight and a half oh, yeah. and uh, it was a, it was a legend of Zelda manga. And ah, okay. he was like, dad, this does not make sense. And I was <laughs> like, what, what does it make sense? He goes, this book. And he said, look, and he, he like opens it up on the left side. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, you need to read from the back to the front for this. Right, right. You know? And so I tried to like explain to him how, <laughs> it, you know, they read differently than we do. Right. And uh, just today he was like, I, I don't understand it. I have to return it. So I'm like, <laughs> that's cool. You know, we'll give you a couple more years and you'll figure right, it out. Right, right. But I mean, yeah, uh, but, I mean, that that if you're like, you know, not to I don't know when. I forget when you exactly start to read, but you know, eight is, is new to the reading game for sure. And, uh, uh, yeah, I could imagine that being like quite like a puzzle on top of, you know, something that's already, you know, puzzling as in trying to learn to read, you know, for example. So, but you know, I'm, I'm sure that, that it, it can definitely like, again, like there's gotta be like this elasticity, especially if you learn it at a young age, like, like open to reading from right to left, as opposed to reading from left to right. Like, you know, it, it's not just one way, you know, like it, it's almost like, poetic in that sense where it's like it doesn't just have to be like this you know what i mean like there, you can yeah. if you consider another angle you know th that might open your mind to different things you know i think the way we'll have to do that is just me sitting down with them and reading the first one with them a little while oh yeah and, for sure and then that'll that'll catch him yeah so are there so is jojo your favorite uh manga series or are there other uh manga that you're into or other books that are not manga that you really enjoy um, I would say Jojo is pretty much what's eating up my time right now in terms of reading. 
Um, I also have the disastrous life of, I forgot how you even say his name, like Psychic Suits. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's a really good anime, and I bought the manga, but it's, uh, it's on the shelf until I finish JoJo. Um, yeah, I think, honestly, when you sent that initial tweet out about Ban's favorite books, um, you know, at the time, John was around, and he was he's a huge, like, uh, Tolkien nerd, you know what I mean? I, I honestly, I, it's, it's such a shame he can't be here today to talk about, you know, like, because he, he was a big, uh, again, big Tolkien nerd, loved that stuff so much, um, as well as a, a high school teacher, too. So, um, you know, but, uh, I, yeah, I do have to plug that he uh, just, like, to the level of having read The Cimmerillion, which is basically, like, if you don't know what it is, it's, like, the index for, like, you know, Tolkien created a world so he could write a book in it, you know, uh, and just like, yeah, like that's the level he was on. It's just like literally knowing like what the index said. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm a I'm a big uh, for me, my two favorite like all time stories that have changed my life uh, are Harry Potter and the Lord of the Rings. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And uh, so, yeah, I we, we would have enjoyed a good conversation <laughs> for sure. Um, right. I, I I love that. I love that, you know, that you have those sort of different takes too. you know, yeah. what's great about that is that you, you could share what you were passionate about with him and, and yeah. maybe he oh had interest or not, but he learned from it and, and he could share, you know, Lord of the Rings stuff. When you have someone that's really into it, you know, you watch the Lord of the Rings movies or something and they could be like, oh yeah, <laughs> this is because of that. And you're like, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that's so funny. Cause that's like literally you know not like one of the last times we hung out but during in 2021 or late 2020 that we had that exact experience like he uh invited me and my girlfriend over to watch like you know she hadn't seen uh, even the first one that we watched it and he, he was like so on like ready to like explain everything that just happened even though like it was her first time watching it so yeah exactly we i i i have a, a poster in my room in my classroom that's uh, sort of for all three Lord of the Rings movies. Oh, nice. And I referenced it the other day to my kids because I was talking about, uh, we're talking about romanticism and we were talking about mm -hmm. industrialization and I was talking about how in The Two Towers, the Ents from The Two Towers were sort of Tolkien writing about basically how he hated industrialization because it was destroying right. nature. And right. the Urukai were, or Soromon was is tearing down all the trees around his tower and whatnot. Exactly. And I, I had to ask my kids, how many of you have seen the movies? And like two hands and i was like oh, oh no that was the biggest thing ever when i was in school like i i was in elementary school and that came out and like literally everybody saw it yeah so <laughs> so uh I'm, I'm hoping i'm hoping that the, you know we'll win a new generation but there's a, there's, a, <laughs> there's a lord of the Rings show coming on uh oh yeah amazon before too long yep. i don't know whether to be excited or not right uh, you never know these days because it always already... seems like it's going to be yeah They've, they've already announced that it's going to have a uh, uh, mild nudity. <laughs> like, <laughs> what? They're probably what? just trying to like piggyback off of the Witcher success or something. And Game of Thrones. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. In that regard. Yeah. I mean, yeah, right, 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 right. I'm like, I, I yeah. What is mild nudity? anyway? Right. <laughs> right. I mean, that could be, yeah. We'll but, save it for the imagination of the listeners. Right. Uh, <laughs> Well, man, I have really enjoyed uh, getting to getting to chat with you and talk to you, and I, I really appreciate you sharing with me. Um, I will have to try and find an, an English translation of JoJo because I'm yeah. always looking to check oh, out exist. more, yeah, more sure. uh, manga. Yeah, yeah, and don't forget to check out Uncle Joel's comb too. <laughs> I definitely will not forget not to the, check that yeah, out. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. I mean, 
if you want. I don't know. It's 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 old school for sure. Uh, but it's it was a it was a golden time that you know we wouldn't exist today without it. So. Absolutely, man. I'm looking for I'm looking forward to what comes out next, and I'm I'm yeah. just just so thankful for everything that you've done and for for being here. Um, so thank you so much, man. Yeah, thank you. This has been awesome. I really appreciate you having me on. That's it for this week's podcast, but I hope you'll come back and check out the next podcast as I continue to interview the guests, both uh, ska guests and literary guests that have inspired me and gotten me more and more into the scene. Until then, thanks for hanging out here with the Rudy Librarian.